Two tough away games this week and only one point to show for it. We'll start at Blackpool. Max Bailey thought it was a great game to watch and the subs made a real difference. A few people, such as Jonathan Ditt and Ant Copeland, thought Crew were the better side, although Alex Smith thought the game was there for the taking without putting in a great performance. Andy O'Neill agrees and adds that Crew need to learn how to score from and defend corners. One player who caught Luke Bevington's eye was Rio, who thought it was class out of position. James preferred to look to the future and see how we cope with the loss of some of these players next season. Neil B was full of enthusiasm, looking forward to playing a Lincoln team who had lots of injuries. Looking at Lincoln then, Steve B was upset that we still not worked out how to play them despite playing them three times this season. Keith and Steve Grice were in agreement, crew too one-dimensional and trying to walk it into the net. Lots of comments on player performances, Tim Green labels them as lacklustre, and David said too many crew players didn't hit their own standards. Graham Miles picked out the midfield saying they were very poor. Rich Hassel can't understand why we've moved away from Kirk and Pixie down the left together, which is something Andy Griffiths is also worried about. Lots of people in agreement that Lincoln were the better side, with Mark Bertel saying it was disappointing but deserved defeat. Brenda Williams thinks this is the pattern of the season, a few wins, a few draws at realistic best. Away from the game, H. Robinson said the commentary team were the worst he's heard in a long time. David Royal says, game to forget. Jimmy, his one word review, boring, and Gresty Roadender was a little bit more positive with a good first 15 minutes. Hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. We'll be looking at what in reality was always going to be a tough week with two difficult away games. As ever, I'm going to need a panel to do that. So to start us off, we've got James Tate. Hi, James. Good afternoon, chaps. Alex Arani. Hi, Alex. Hello, Stu. Nice of you to have me back off my rant a couple of weeks ago. Never in doubt, Alex. And Tim Robinson. Hi, Tim. Afternoon, Stu. Lads. So we'll get started with the Tuesday game at Blackpool. It was the same team, same formation as the last two games, with the only exception being Murphy was missing out this time. I thought Crew started off really well first 20 minutes. Did you agree with that, Tim? Yeah, I thought we started off on the front foot. Um, I thought we made them look very susceptible to certainly a quick ball over the top. I thought Porter and Manjon gave them a lot of issues. Um, I think they both had decent chances in the first 20 minutes or so. Um, and actually, I think they both scored goals that were, must have been pretty close to being onside, but were given us off. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was a relatively promising start. I think they, were, listening to their fan podcasts, they thought we were brilliant for the first half an hour or so. Yeah, that goal for Mandron, correct decision, James? I think so. It's, it's tricky to call. Um, he looked off at the time. Uh, I agree with the decision. It's hard to say, though. Yeah, it's hard with one camera, I guess, uh, yeah. we're working with. I'll stick with you, though, James. Um, we've seen quite a lot this time. When we're on top, we give away a silly, soft goal. Disappointing one to watch. I mean, it's easy to say when you're sat at home watching, but it looks so avoidable, doesn't it, a goal like that? It does, yeah. Um, it's a near-post corner that's swinging in. Um, you'd think with the players we've got on the pitch, and you know, then Mandron, Porter, Daniels, Beckles, Wood, they're all... Big lads who think surely one of them at the front post is going to get that away. If not, maybe Richards is going to 
grab it or go down and we get a cheap free kick. But yeah, it was it was disappointing. I was thinking how how can we defend that better? But it is what it is, you know. It's not a nice goal to concede, but we've seen them before. And then Alex, if I come to you, the word I would use or the word I wrote down, in fact, uh, after the goal for crew and to sum up the performance was drifting. I don't know if you got the same sense as I did with that. Yeah, I did. We actually started really well. We should have probably got into the lead. Even if the goal was offside, there was other chances we created. Um, the Daniels injury it just knocked us a bit, actually. I, I don't think it was necessarily him coming off. I think it just sort of halted the momentum. It allowed Blackpool to regroup and it knocked us a bit sideways. Um, and then the performance, it seemed like we were going through the motions a bit. Uh, but credit to the management. You know, at times, I think he's a bit too prudent with his subs, but he made some changes on Tuesday night, which really freshened us up. And then we, we got a deserved equaliser. Walker took the goal well. Powell was very lively down the left. And, you know, Ryan Wintle should have been buying a ticket to win the raffle in the last minute when he cut back onto his right foot. You know, just have a dig at the fast stick. He tried to create a better opening, and I get why, but... I still think the, it was that was the time in the 97th minute of a game with 10 minutes added on, pull the trigger and see if he, see if it will find its way in the far corner. But it, yeah, it did drift for a, you know, a good sort of half hour period. It's interesting that you say that you think it was a, a deserved equaliser. I, I thought it was pretty much out of the blue and against the run of play. And then it was only after we got the equaliser that we started to get on top. Yeah, you're probably right. I think I think I'm saying deserved looking at how the whole game had gone in terms of we started well, we shouldn't have been behind. So we deserve to be level. But I, I, I do take the point that actually we hadn't been particularly great in the second half before that equaliser. And you're right. Once we did score, we looked like going on to win it, which begs the question, if we'd have scored five minutes earlier, would we, would we have gone on and got that winner? Yeah, I think, you know, Dave Artel's got quite a lot of credit with uh, the vast, vast majority of crew fans. But one thing I have noticed that's really sort of bothering crew fans is something you've just mentioned there, Alex, his lack of substitutions to change a game or to, you know, just to bring on some fresh legs. But at the end of that game, there was uh, quite a lot of the fringe players on the pitch, wasn't there? We, obviously, we'd started with Evans, Rio came on, Stephen Walker... Daniel Powell, who's not really got a run out. Um, Owen Dale, who, you know, he was a League One player of the month not that long ago and he can't get any game at the minute. Is that a sign of what this team's going to look like next season? Do you think those players, Tim? Yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, and I, I dare say, as we get nearer the end of the season, we'll see even more changes. You know, potentially uh, Griffiths will come in, Lundstrom will come in. I dare say we'll see Travis Johnson and Rio in the same lineup at the same time at some stage. Um, and it, it makes sense. I, th I think logically you'd have to say that any promotion push is probably gone now. Um, we're probably about five or six points away from being safe. Why not have a little look at what next season's going to bring? Yeah. Anyone with those players I've just mentioned, is anyone here who can tell me what formation crew finished the game with? No. <laughs> it might have actually been an actual 4-4, four, four, proper 4-4-2 four, four, with sort of two wingers. Powell and Dale playing as out and out, or more a 4 2 4 actually. Powell and Dale as out and out wingers with Walker partnering. Is it Porter that stayed on? Because Mandron came off, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So it was like an out, a 4 2 4 is how it looked like it ended up. And to, to be fair, it worked. We got an equaliser. We could have had another one. Although when we did equalise, Blackpool sort of came back at us. It was, it was a really it was a good game, actually. Blackpool were a decent side. I didn't see the, the game at Gresty Road, but I, I was impressed with what I saw Tuesday night. Yeah, I think very similar sort of game. I think they've uh, got a manager who knows our crew play and they set up, uh, and I'd, I'd say they're a good team. 
probably not in the right position being mid-table. I do have one theory, though, about why Dave Artell made lots of subs in that game compared to the uh, other games this season and before. Is Was he just enjoying putting the board up himself? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it, he, he struggled with the numbers because Callum Ainley came off at one stage. Um, but, yeah. yeah, he did. I think he enjoyed his little stint as fourth official. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, that's what I thought. You know, one at a time. Let's just uh, milk this out. Now, I was on Radio Stoke this week, you know, humble brag. Ooh, look at you. I'm on Radio Stoke. (laughs) Um, One thing I sort of said is that Stephen Walker's not really done much since he's come back, but it was nice for him to get that goal. Nice for us to see him get that goal as well, wasn't it, James? Really good, yeah. I think think that's what he needed. Um, I think that's why he started yesterday as well. We'll go on to talk about that. But, um, yeah, he just looks like he's lacking a bit of confidence, lacking a bit of... Match sharpness. Um, so, yeah, really good to see him get the goal. Not sure if that was offside as well, to be perfectly honest. But, yeah, nice nice to see him stick it away. You never yes. got an angle to, to see if either of them were, the one in the first half, the one of that one. But, yeah, it did look... It just looked a bit bizarre, wasn't it? Because the ball's been clipped over the top and he's sort of streaking clear of the defence. And I'm like, surely, is there not? No? Carry on. And then it went in and... Having watched so much Premier League football, I sort of didn't celebrate thinking, oh, he's going to get chalked off. I was like, hang on a minute. No, we haven't got that nonsense. That's a goal. By yeah, the time was, Walker's was... given in the shot, it, the ball's travelled 40 yards. You've, yeah. any, anyone that's making a definitive judgment on those pictures of whether it was offside or not is just guessing. Yeah. Well, we'll take um, the linesman's word for it or the fourth official because obviously he was the original fourth official. So maybe he wasn't up to the speed of the game and that's why we got the decision, but we'll take it. So to finish off then, away in Blackpool, I think, was there a feeling that we we're happy with that point, Tim? Oh, um, yeah, I think any top half side, if you get a point away, you're relatively happy with that. Um, I'd certainly have taken a point before the game. I, I, I predicted we'd probably get beaten. Um, and I... I didn't really think we were going to get back into it when it was 1-0. Um, so full credit to Dave Artel for the changes and for the team for getting a draw. The 4-4-2 that's been really successful in the two home games against Atkinson and Sunderland, we started to see the downside to it, which is that we don't really get control in midfield. And the temptation is to hit too many aimless long balls towards the two forwards. And that, for me, was really the tale of the sort of last 15 minutes of the first half and pretty much the whole of the second half until we scored from one of them. Um, and then when, I'm sure we're going to move on to the Lincoln game, but it, it, it seems to continue for me on Saturday. And then and the other thing to, just to mention is that defensive wall from the central, the central free kick that they had, where we did a defensive wall with two either side and a big gap in the middle for the keeper to see the ball through, which I thought was a really interesting innovation because I think teams concede so many goals from free kicks when their keeper can't see the ball. So um, I, I quite like that. I think I quite liked it as well. Uh, you know, you've got your, both your posts covered. And uh, if it goes past the wall, if it goes through the wall in the middle and it goes in the goal, you know, to blame. I liked it actually. And I, and I think there's some legs in that as a sort of defensive setup for other sides going forward. But it's just the fear of when you have it set up, if you start it on the man on the inside and then you get some proper whip on it, your keeper's powerless. While if you have those extra two men on the ball, they really need to whip it and it gives your keeper more of a chance. But I don't think I think it's a better way of doing it. The keeper gets more of a side of it; he can move himself, move his feet, and get to it. Yeah. It has to take a hell of a strike to beat him, I think, or a mistake. Let's move on then to the Lincoln game. Uh, personally, I'd rather we don't spend too long on this one, um, if I'm completely honest. Alex, I'm going to start with you because I know that your views on this are broadly the same as mine. Let's ignore his performance when he was on the pitch, but 
did you not think it was a bit of a kick in the nethers to Travis Johnson to have Rio starting over him at right back? Yes. I don't get it. Like, I, like I've said previously, you see it in football where right-footed players play at left-back quite successfully. How many left-footed players end up at right-back? It doesn't happen. And there's a reason it mustn't happen, potentially because there's left, left-footed players and you want them at yeah. left-back. But there's, and it just doesn't, it doesn't work as far as I'm concerned. But credit where it's true, I thought Rio was probably our best player on the day yesterday. He looked defensively quite solid. You just you just lose that overlap on the on yeah. On the there's no real side. There's no real width from the fullback yeah. coming forward. But you can see the benefits of it. He had that shot in the first half where it broke to him on the edge of the box, and because it was on his stronger foot, he could hit it first time. Um, but I'd rather my fullback provide width rather than looking to stick one in from twenty yards and uh, in, in central positions. So yeah, it's 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 a strange one because Travis seemed to be ahead of him. He played at Swindon, but he's just disappeared. Ever since Carlton Cole said he was mentoring him, he's been nowhere to be seen. So I don't know whether Dave Artell and Carlton Cole have had a ding-dong before, but yeah, very bizarre. Raul Bravo, by the way, he's the only left-footed player I can remember playing at right-back in the season that Leeds, I think, got relegated. I couldn't tell you another left-footed player that's played at right-back in the past 15 years. I think Rio Adebese is the most accomplished player Mm. playing at right-back dominantly left-footed uh, in the whole history of football now then. He might well be. Him and Raul Bravo can have an arm wrestle over it. So, James, that's the third time we've played Lincoln this season. It's the third time we've lost. Is it a simple case that they've got our number this season or should we, you know, should we not give the crew team, the crew management, a free pass? Um, I think it's it's obvious for us all to see that a good side and the well-organised, everyone seems to know their jobs and as soon as we seem to get the ball, we seem to have like three or four men around us or the options are being cut off. And yeah, I think it might be a case that they just, they know how we want to play um, and they were really good at doing their jobs and they stuck to it um, for the whole game and maybe for the, the three games that we've had this season. Um, but I do I did get a sense yesterday that we almost went into it lying down a bit, never really had the belief that we could really trouble them. Um, so that was a little bit disappointing. Um, I thought we could have done a bit more yesterday. Tim, is there anything that you noticed that they do that crew just can't cope with? Is it just a step too far for this crew team? I, I thought that the only difference between the two teams was Brennan Johnson. Uh, he, we started quite well and then he picked up the ball after about 15 or 20 minutes and, and drove absolutely left picker in for dead, went past, uh, I think it was Beckles and had a shot that went, past the far post and then from that moment onwards we were absolutely petrified rabbit in the headlights and um that, i thought that was pickering's worst game in a, in a cruise that i remember in a long time the amount of times brennan johnson went past him you know like a dad going past his son in the back garden it was almost embarrassing um now it's not every day you're going to come up against someone with the out and out pace of brennan johnson but i thought he was absolutely superb yesterday and you know, I, I, I just—it was awful to see such an accomplished player um, for us looking so um, obviously inferior to an opposition player. And it it might put off those clubs higher up the league structure that are looking at Harry Pickering. Uh, might put him off. Yeah. The big, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Am I the only one that doesn't listen to the away commentary when we play away from home? I think so. Yeah. Oh. They were. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm going to have to stop myself, otherwise this could turn into a 20-minute rant on how bad they were. 
I, I wrote down, someone tweeted uh, and I shamelessly stolen it without uh, writing down their name. I think it was someone called Linz or Lindsay. Yeah, that's, that's my mate, Lindsay. Okay, well, Lindsay, she wrote down, rude, offensive, and just uninformed about the Alex. And I could not agree more with them yesterday. I saw quite a lot of defense for them on Facebook, but I've said to you guys off air before we started recording, everything Lincoln did, it was like they were Champions League winners. And it felt like they just thought crew were competition winners that had turned up for a day out at the great Sinsel Bank to play against this wonderful Lincoln team. And I just got more and more fed up with them as the game was going on. They seemed surprised that we had young players. They seemed surprised that we played possession football. I think at one stage they said that all the crew players had the same physique and they were stodgy. And, and this was a, at the exact moment they said it on camera, Tommy Lowry walked past Mika Mandron. And he's kind of like, <laughs> what are you walking at? <laughs> well, I mean, I stopped listening when they said that Chris Porter was down injured and it was Tommy Lowry. I mean, if you get those two confused, then you should not be reporting on what you can see for a living. They also said that the uh, recent innovation of three points for a win was a good <laughs> idea. And I looked it up. It was introduced in 1981. 40-year <laughs> <Multi> anniversary. <laughs> well, I mean, we, yeah, again, as we talked about this at the time. As I said, yes, it would be different if it was two points for a win than three points for a win if it's a five-point gap. But simple maths would dictate that it wouldn't be five-point gap if there was two points for a win. Just two simpletons. I just did not enjoy them at all. I hope they get promoted and I don't listen to them ever again. Right, Tim, let's get back to the football. You mentioned the formation before about Blackpool. That just didn't work yesterday, did it, James? The midfield, probably after saying how good they were a couple of weeks ago, that was possibly the worst performance of the collective midfield for a long time, I thought. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was shocking. Um Every single pass seemed to be just a yard off behind players. Every time we tried to put two together, just lost all momentum. Um, I thought Murphy was making silly challenges. Wintle was just off it with his passing. I thought Larry was the better of the three. But when he was on it, I thought he was forcing play quite a lot. So, yeah, I thought it was one of the worst performances from the midfield in quite a while. It's a horrendous compliment for Thomas Tommy Lowry as well, what the better of the three, because they were dreadful in there yesterday. Yeah. They were overrun. They weren't out four because they were putting in tackles, but they were just a yard off the pace when they were putting in these tackles. Murph that, did well to not get, I think, did, I don't know if he got booked in the end, but he could have been booked about three times in the first half because every tackle he made was just half a yard late. And I don't know whether he still got after effects of his injury, but yeah, he was just a yard off the pace. Wintle kept on getting overrun, I thought, um, and Lowry just couldn't. He wasn't doing much when he was picking the pockets in space. And, and he was, it was one of the games where actually, it doesn't happen often, he was getting a bit bullied because of his physique, I felt. Um, yeah. But that's where the game was lost. And, and the issue was, Charlie Kirk was sort of in that free role. And I know Pickering didn't have his best of games. Tim might be a bit more harsh. But he had, without Kirk doubling up, not doubling up in front of him, having that protection in front of him, they sort of had free run at him. And he was really struggling to cope. And it just cried out, right, I think we need to get a bit more structure here because they are going to overrun us. And they did. And they scored three. They probably could have had a couple more. Um, and I don't think anyone would have, would have begrudged him it, but it was just, you know, it was a relatively comfortable day out for Lincoln. After what I thought was a good first 15 minutes, we had a couple of chances. There was the wood header. Uh, I think Walker had a, had a shot, uh, which he just dragged wide. And you thought, right, if we can get the first goal here, this could be a different game. Um, as soon as we conceded the goal, uh, it was only going one way. And it was actually that first goal, sorry to, to, to ramble on, but that first goal 
they had about three different openings, three passes sort of during that move. So the way they scored was fine, but they could have scored a couple of other ways because they had an overlap one side, but they went inside. When the midfielder got the ball, he didn't necessarily have to go wide. So I don't know how we found ourselves that stretch that early because um, it was, yeah, it was, just, it was a mess from a defensive yeah. perspective. They just had options all over that first goal and space, options and space. I mean, that's what football is. You want to make options and space. You want to stop, stop the other team having options and space. And that first goal, it was just dreadful from the whole team. But again, without picking on them too much, midfield particularly. Does this game, I know he came off the bench, does this game show us how important Mika Mandon is to this team? Yes and no. Uh, I think he is an important cog of the team. I actually think he's one of these players that makes players around him better. And I think that's quite a good attribute to have. But I don't think he'd have influenced that game. The result wouldn't have changed if Mandron played 90 minutes yesterday, I don't think. Um, I think we were, we were well beaten. And I don't think Mandron would have changed that fact. The annoying thing for me is that they were there for the taking yesterday. They were without three of the better players in uh, George Grant and Joe Walsh and Bridker. They've conceded two or more in the last five games. You know, they were really wobbling and, and we just didn't compete at all. Um, and I, I think partly with the formation, partly Manjon not being there and partly we just weren't on it. And, I th- and, and partly just we were petrified of the pace that they, they had from um, Brennan Johnson. The thing is, performances like yesterday are disappointing. And, you know, it was naff. I think that's the best way of describing it. But you're going to have those sort of performances during the course of a season. You just want to limit them to as few as possible. And on the whole, we have. What is frustrating when you take, when you look at that across the whole season is the games where we have played well and we haven't picked up points. That is what is highlighted by yesterday's games because you're going to lose like game, games like that over the course of the season. What is key is when you do play well, you don't lose those games. Um, and there's been plenty of examples of that over the course of the season. And when we have played poorly other times, Lincoln at home is a prime example, Sunderland away was another. We at least kept ourselves in the game, but we could have nicked a point late on. Yesterday, we didn't really have the whereabouts to even do that. You know, when we were getting overrun, they were right, just keep this 1-0. They will eventually drop off. They're not going to play at this pace for the full 90 minutes. They're going to drop off when it gets to all 25 minutes to go, or we're still only one up. Do we really go hell for leather now? Do we protect what we've got? But we didn't, we didn't, we didn't even manage the game particularly well. It was just a pretty poor day all, all round. I was a bit surprised to see Dave wait until nearly the hour mark to make subs. Um, we were just talking about him making a few subs at Acring, uh, away at Blackpool, sorry. Um, so I was a bit surprised it took on us to go 2-0 down for us to make changes. I thought it was pretty obvious, but we needed a different dimension, either Powell or Dale. And it was Mandron and, and Powell in the end, but I just thought that was a little bit late as well. I think we should have been making changes a bit sooner. To be fair, what I would have done at half time is I would have changed the formation. I would have stuck potentially with the same personnel, but I would have I'd have put Walker probably wide right and made sure Kirk was playing off the left just to try and, you know, have that bit of structure and that bit of extra protection. It might have, you know, in theory, you go from two up top to one up top. You think you're diminishing your goal threat, but I don't think that would necessarily been a bad thing because it had kept you in the game for longer. James, were there any positives from this game for you at all? Um, even though we conceded three, you know, Dave Richards made a really good save second half, a point-blank range, down low. It's important that um, he is still making these saves, even though we've conceded a few and it's a really tricky game. Um, so it was good to see him on that. And I think he's done done pretty well again, um, which is good. Anything you take away, Tim? Uh, the Kirk volley that hit the post was probably the, the one decent highlight 
I don't think you'd be putting anything else in the highlights reel for the season anyway. Um, I mean, great technique too. Um, I, I thought I thought it was in. I have to say, um, cracking strike. Um, it was probably his only real positive contribution for the afternoon, and um, extremely unlucky for it not to go in. Okay, so we'll end on that positive note then. Uh, that's the two games from this week reviewed. Next, we'll be looking at the two games coming up this week. So let's start with the Tuesday game at home to Doncaster. I personally remember the away game back in October. It was a little bit of a surprise for me winning there. I don't really see us having a very good record there. Um, is that how you remember it, James? It is indeed, yeah. It was a really nice surprise that. Um, I think we all went into it, maybe hoping for a draw, expecting the worst. Um, and we, we came away with a 2-1 win, didn't we? Um, so, yeah, hopefully we can... Uh, we can replicate something like that at home. Um, we've been good at home overall, so hopefully we can we can get a result in the home leg as well. And then, Tim, they've had a change of manager since uh, we've played them very recently. Darren Moore has just left them, but it doesn't seem to have affected them. They've won their last two games since he's left, so still a good team. Yeah, they are still a good team. Um, and, you know, Darren Moore's gone to Sheffield Wednesday. They could easily bypass him as he comes down to League One next season. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I thought we were a bit lucky to get a win at their place. Um, they've, they've lost their best player, same as we did in, in January. Ben Whiteman went to Preston. I think he's a, he's a very good player. And the keeper they had that day was the um, the on-loan Stoke keeper, Bursic, who everyone's been raving about. I thought he was pretty average and should have done better with both our goals that day. And then they've got Josh Sims, who scored a cracker that day. I don't know what he's doing playing in League One. He's far too good for this level. Um, and then the other player I noticed that they've got is Omar Bogle um, up front. And he's the one that, um, inter- interesting um, fact for you, Grimsby crowdfunded his transfer. Uh, the fans all chipped in and they bought him for 50 grand from uh, Solihull Moors a few years back. I know that because my mate's a Grimsby fan. And I also played pretty fast and loose with the word interesting there, didn't I? Um, <laughs> Alex has gone to but, sleep. Well, yeah, they're, 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 they're a decent team. Um, if we if we repeat the 2-1 win at their place, I'll be made up. Alex, just something Tim said there about Darren Moore. I mean, I don't know how much you sort of pay attention to the championship, but are you surprised he's gone to Sheffield Wednesday, leaving Doncaster where they are for Sheffield Wednesday where they are? Yes and no. Sheffield Wednesday is a bit of a sleeping giant, isn't it? So when they come knocking, there must be a real, do you know what, we can we can wait, await this. We can really get them moving and make them as big a club as they should be. Um, Doncaster, you know, the peak that they're ever going to hit is the championship and the lower echelons of that. So when you're looking at in terms of, you know, glass ceiling, there's obviously a higher one at Sheffield Wednesday, which is why he's gone. But you can see if you're looking at it just in sort of cold stats, they're 23rd, they've got a dodgy owner, uh, Doncaster on the rise, is it a job you necessarily want? So I get why he's done it, but at the same time, I'm surprised. So really, I've not answered your question there, and I'll <laughs> remove the splinters from my arse and the fence I'm sitting on. Cutting insight from Alex Irani again. Yeah, I mean, that's somewhere where I think most crew fans will look forward to going to next season, won't it, Hillsborough? It's been a while since we were there. It's, I th- I'm fairly confident that that'll be an away game in the league next season. Be nice if it was. I remember going to Hillsborough New Year's Day, two thousand and five. I want to say, Ben Ricks shot on target after thirty seconds. That was it. Lost three 0 <laughs> Did we go there in the League Cup? Rob Edwards scored. I think we did. We draw two all there and then get or 
two all at our place and then got beat five two at their place. Going back a while. Beat you a bit before. Go on I your age, Tim. Okay, so last time we played Doncaster, I spoke to Sean, who was the head of marketing at Doncaster. This time, though, I spoke to the guys from the Into the Empty Net Pod Doncaster site. Hello, Adam. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, yeah. Happy to be here. So you're from the Into the Empty Net uh, Doncaster site. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, it's it's mainly like a blog kind of thing, uh, mainly written articles, and uh, we're quite active on social media as well. It's uh, it's just me and my partner who run it, really. I do all the writing and editorial side of it, and she's kind of the designer and photographer. Um, the, the plan with it really is to, you know, do vlogs and stuff at games, but obviously... Uh, we've not been able to do that for the last year, um, but uh, we've been building a nice following and uh, it's it's uh, become pretty well known, I suppose, in Donny circles. And, uh, I th- you know, I, th- I think there's a good little uh, niche for us in there, along with, like, you know, the local press and uh, there's a couple of good YouTubers who do some stuff as well for Rovers. So uh, it's, it's nice to be a part of that and, uh, you know, just uh, be involved, especially at, at the moment. Uh, we've not been able to go to games and everything. It's nice to have that engagement, I think, and that, inv- you know, keep involved and keep that motivation going. Because uh, yeah. sometimes, you know, especially when result, if results aren't going so well, as sometimes they're not, you know, uh, it can be a bit difficult to get motivated for games and things. But when you've got things to do with website to do and, and social and stuff, uh, it does help for sure. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, hopefully next season you can start these vlogs from the games. So obviously crew have already played at Doncaster this season, ended in a crew victory. Did you see it? What was your viewpoint of that game? Yeah, I uh, saw the game. I mean, I've, I've watched every game this season, thankfully. That's been one plus side of uh, of the situation being the way that it is. But uh, I'm really impressed with Crew. Uh, you know, we always expect Crew to play decent football and, and try to play the game the right way and have a lot of good academy players who've come through and who you might not have heard of before. Uh, and they impress you in games. You know, I mean, Finney, Finney in midfield, you know, he's, he looks a good player. And uh, my, my impression of the game was, was just that, you know, we made a lot of chances that day. Uh, didn't really take them. And, uh, you know, Crew scored two really good goals that won in the game. And I think it was fair enough. It were our, our first home defeat. And I think we've only lost two since, I think, at home um, to, to Shrewsbury and Accrington a couple of weeks ago, both 1-0. So uh, we've been pretty strong at home. But, uh, you know, Crew did a job on us that day. And I was quite impressed with him. Uh, and as far as, you know, the season's gone, it looks like, you know, you're having a half-decent season. And back at this level now, I, I think you'll be able to push on. Uh, you'll be pleased to know as well, Ollie Finney won't be playing on Tuesday since broken his leg. So uh, oh. if he's the one that stuck out, then you, you <laughs> won't be seeing him. Now, how has the season gone for Doncaster since that game? It's been a little while. It was October. Obviously, there's quite a bit of change that's happened. So fill us in, if you can, briefly on what's ha- happened at Doncaster since. Yeah, it's, it's been quite eventful, to be honest. Um, we were we were finding our feet, uh, you know, in September, October, November time and we, you know, I think we were getting more good results than not. You know, we were pushing into top six, top eight. Uh, and then we went on this this brilliant winning run. I think it was eight wins in nine league games. It might have even been nine in ten uh, from back end of December into uh, start of February. And we were just flying, uh, you know, playing pretty good football a lot of the time. Uh, you know, everyone, everyone who were fit seemed to be clicking really well together. And even in games where we weren't perhaps performing too well overall. We were still grinding out the wins. I mean, we won 1-0 at Lincoln when we were about 23% of the ball, which is not our usual style to be so uh, on the back foot. But we won the game. Uh, went, went uh, you know, blow for blow with Oxford and beat them 3-2 at home as well the week after. And, you know, we, we thought things were going pretty great and then uh, just slumped off. Uh, suddenly lost our ability to defend. 
lost four games out of five, and I think we conceded something like 10 goals from crosses uh, in that time, just over the space of two, three weeks. It, it was really, really alarming. And uh, I think we're still really working on on the problems that have that have come up in defence. I'm not really, I couldn't really tell you exactly why, but um, our, our usually pretty solid defence in air uh, has, has been a bit lax. And uh, I will say they were better yesterday. Uh, we beat Plymouth and we were under the cosh a bit in the second half. Um, our centre-halves, Tom Anderson and Joe Wright, did a really good job of uh, kind of protecting that that lead and holding on. But uh, we just slumped off and, and things looked a little bit lethargic. Uh, a little bit lackadaisical, for lack of a better word, I suppose, a bit arrogant at times, maybe. It's hard to put your finger on it a little bit, but everything just seemed to to have dropped a level. Um, and and we, you know, we, we lost four one at Sunderland, and it was the easiest four goals you'll ever see a team score because uh, Aidan McGeady popped four crosses into the box, and Charlie White nodded four goals in. It would it was that easy. Um, and I think under Darren Moore, there was a bit of a a bit of a rigidity to the way that we played. I think if I think Darren Moore set the team up with 11 players told to play a certain way. And if they deviated from that role, um, it, well, it just wasn't on, I suppose. So they never did. Um, I think the case in point with that would be that playing out from the back, you know, this nice little short distribution out the back, the goalkeeper was Ellery Balcombe. He's, he's uh, not in the team now, but Balcombe was on loan from Brentford. Um, his, his directive was to pass the ball out to his centre-halves and pass it out to the holding midfielder and do not deviate from it. Don't kick it long if you need to. You know, if, if the players you're looking to pass to are under pressure, still give it to them. And it was causing a lot of problems. Um, you know, we conceded goals from giving the ball away in our own half because we put ourselves under too much pressure. Um, and I, I like to think we've moved away from that now. Obviously, you know, a week ago, um, Darren Moore left. He went to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, Andy Butler's replaced him for the rest of the season. You know, he's one of our players and he's, he's a local lad. He's been here years, so... I think there's a, a good feeling around the club that, you know, Andy Butler's got his chance now until end of season to prove himself. And it's been a great start. You know, he's won the first two games and, and we've changed the way that we play. And overnight, uh, there just seems to have been an injection of enthusiasm and a bit of passion back in the team. I don't know. It's odd to say that as if we were, you know, on a on a, on a a bad run or anything, you know, with Darren Moore. Yes, we'd had a few bad results, but I think Darren Moore's been poached because it looked like he were doing a good job here. Uh, and yet uh, the reaction from the club, the players and the team has been as if we've sacked a manager doing badly and, you know, got that new manager bounce, even though the new manager is someone who was already uh, in the ranks. Yeah, so I was going to say it doesn't really seem to have affected the players much, Darren Moore leaving, but you sort of covered that. So I'll just ask, the rest of the season then, you're currently in the playoffs. Promotion to the championship, is that the aim or is it get into the playoffs and see what happens? What's the current thinking? I think as long as we can keep consistently picking up results, uh, as we have done for most of the season, I think there's a belief that we can get automatically promoted. Obviously, it won't be easy. It's really competitive. I think there's still six or seven teams who've got an eye on the top two. Um, and we are a little bit behind Peterborough and Hull, but we've got the games in hand. Obviously, they're not points. You know, you need to win those games. But I think we feel we're in the mix. And um, I think since Andy Butler come in he's, he, as manager, he's, he's just kind of galvanised the players a bit. Um, we, we've heard uh, several players this past week in interviews and uh, one of our players, Danny Amos, did commentary this weekend, you know, talking about the intensity in training and the, the mood, it just seems to have lifted a bit. And I think everyone's kind of determined, uh, determined to kind of not let this derail our season. Uh, our captain, Tom Anderson, said after yesterday's game, he said, you know, we need to make sure we finish the job and whether that job is getting promoted or making the playoffs or just making sure that the season uh, stays on the trajectory that it was on, I suppose. Um, I personally would be happy with a playoff place, certainly. Uh, we were we were ninth last season and sixth the season before. So if we can if we can get into the playoffs, I think that would be a really pleasing season considering everything that's gone on. 
you know, lack of fans and having to change the manager again when we didn't expect to. Uh, if we miss out, uh, you know, as long as it's not a complete slump into mid-table, I, I don't think anyone would be too angry or upset. Uh, it might make us reevaluate the manager's position in, in terms of getting somebody more experienced in long term. But, you know, if, if we can see this through now, last dozen games or so and get into the playoffs, I think we'd all be really, really, really pleased. Fair enough. Um, there's got to be some sort of part of you that's hoping that you'll pass him on the, the way past into next season, especially with it being one of your local rivals as well. Absolutely. I mean, we've we've been through this before. I mean, it is, uh, I'm sure you guys know it's the hallmark at this level. If you do well, you're better players and you're, you're better managers. They will get poached by bigger size. I mean, the, the thing for us is that Wednesday looked like a basket case club who were, who were only going one way and um, yes, it would be it would be delightful for us, I think, to pass them on the way down. I mean, I don't think anyone's, you know, got ill feeling for Darren Moore, but I think we do feel a bit disappointed that uh, having said that, you know, he was here for the long-term project and and then he's kind of stepped off at the first opportunity to go to a club that in all likelihood are going to be in League One next season. Um, and we've been through it before. Dean Saunders uh, left us for Wolves when we were up near the top of League One. We ended up winning the league that year uh, ahead of Bournemouth and Wolves got relegated and he got sacked. So... Uh, we, we've experienced that before and it is a nice feeling, I've got to say, you know, you get that that little bit of a vindication. But um, I mean, certainly the aim for us is to get promoted regardless of who's coming down. Fair enough. Um, Adam, I'm going to let you go in a minute. I just want one uh, last thing for you. Could I get a prediction for the game on Tuesday night, please? Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm, I'm always loath to predict a defeat for Rovers. And I think we've, we've played pretty well these last two games under Andy Butler. Uh, I'll go for a draw. I will hedge my bets and sit on the fence because I do think Crew are a good side and they've got a very good home record. Um, and I think it's going to be an interesting game. And if it's anything like our game with Plymouth yesterday, uh, where but you know both teams kind of go in for it and, and trying to get uh, goals, which I think it will be, uh, then I think it's going to be maybe a 2-2 or a 3-3 even uh, draw. And I think it will be a good game. I hope so. I hope I haven't put the kibosh on it there. But um, <laughs> yes, I think it'll be a good game and, and let's go for a draw. Perfect. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Happy to uh, be on and uh, good luck for the rest of the season after Tuesday night. Yeah, same to you. So, following Doncaster on Tuesday, we have another home game, this time against Burton. Now, Alex, I'll start with you this time. A few weeks ago, this would have looked like quite an easy game, but not anymore. No, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank working his wonders at Burton Albion again. Is it six wins in eight or something like that? Four wins in a row. Yeah, so they're they're flying. Um, My opinion with things like that is they're due to lose. Like, they're, they're struggling for a reason. Uh, so they're not going to they're not going to end up like winning twelve out of fourteen or something like that. I wouldn't have thought. So why can't we be the side that starts to um, dismantle the wheels on that on that car? I don't even know how you describe it. What a terrible analogy! But you know the wheels are moving. But we'll we'll start bandwagon. To, yeah, we'll halt halt the juggernaut. That's what I was trying to say. So yeah, there's no reason why we can't be that side. But they have they have very much picked up. Yeah, they definitely have. Yesterday's result, uh, a win against Peterborough, Tim. That's a pretty good result, isn't it? Yeah, and I think they were, they were it was two one, but I think they were two 0 up going into injury time. Peterborough got a late consolation, so um, very similar to schools when we played Peterborough at our place. But they've um, they've made a lot of January signings, haven't they? The chairman's put his hand in his pocket. Johnny Smith from who was on previously on loan at Swindon from Bristol City, and they've got Michael Mancien. I don't I don't know how they've ended up with him, but um, that looks like a decent bit of business. So, yeah, it's probably going to be a tougher game than it would have been a couple of months back. But as Alex said, um, you know, they've got, to, they've got to start losing sometime. That is one that slipped me by. I didn't know they had Manti in there. James, one last thing before we move on from Burton then. Um, Alex has just mentioned Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, the manager. His assistant, 
Dave's big mate, Dino Marmy. It'll be nice to get him at Gresty Road again, won't it? It'll be lovely. It's, it's a shame we're not all there to give him a standing ovation as well. It's it's a real shame. Um, but, you know, fair play to them. They're doing a really good job. Um, I think they've only lost, is it Sunderland and Ipswich in the in the last couple? Um, so, yeah, it's a shame. Hopefully we'll get to see some of that on the iFollow. But, yeah, they're characters, aren't they? I don't mind, you know. <laughs> well, if we all follow Alex's advice and not have the commentary on iFollow, we might be able to hear... Dave and Dino, um, maybe expressing a few differences of opinions once or twice during the game. Maybe I'm, I'm, a, I'm a McGarry and Morse loyalist, so I do have the commentary for the home games, unfortunately. Fair enough. That is good, considering, you know, Pete Morse is a sometimes contributor to this pod. So, uh, yeah, best keep him sweet. Yep. Okay. So we welcome back Ed Walker, who is, as you probably know, a Burton fan from the D3D4 podcast. So uh, I've got Ed here from the D3D4 podcast. Welcome back to the Railway Men, Ed. Thanks for coming on. Pleasure to be here as always. I should just say, uh, unusually at this stage, it's not just me with the opposition fan. I have got Tim and James still with me. So if you hear them, that's what they're doing here. Um, So last time you and I spoke, Ed, uh, Burton were, I'm pretty sure, rock bottom. And now they're fairly near the top of the form table, find themselves in 18th. What's changed? Uh, what's basically changed is that we now have a competent manager in the dugout is the best way to summarise it. This season, I can't really sum it up in any way, but a tale of two halves. Really, the first half under Jake Buxton was terrible. It really was. And it, there was a lot of mistakes made. I think not having a experienced name alongside Buxton, who's very new to management, was a big mistake. Recruitment wasn't great. There were a couple of players who were doing quite well, but generally there wasn't that sense of defensive structure or the ability to score enough goals to outscore the opposition. And so they were losing more games than they were. And I think we got to the start of the new year and there were five points adrift and even 23rd. So they were rock bottom at the time. And the new management teams come in, Jimmy Thordasselbank, accompanied by Dino Marmria, who has a proven track record of improving the PPG of every single club he's been at from his days at Northridge, Victoria, Southport, Stevenage, Oldham, his track record speaks for itself. So that was always really encouraging. And I remember him coming in thinking, all right, we're adrift. The hope for the minimum is that we could get ourselves back into the pack, close that gap to 23rd, get back into the bottom four, maybe have a go at staying up. It's got even better than that. Nobody, I don't think anybody would have seen coming what's happened so far. It's been amazing. Has the team changed a lot then since we last saw Burton? It's massively changed, massively. The um, January window is probably the best window I can recall this club having in a long time, especially January-wise. They brought in 12 players, I believe, over the course of that period. A couple of free signings, some loan deals. Essentially one player in every position. They could really line up with a brand new eleven if everyone was thick compared to what was being played in the first half of the season. And pretty much all of them have made a notable impact. There's been some impressive loan signings. People like Josh Earl from Preston North End, who's a left-back. Hayden Carter, who's a very impressive young centre-back from Blackburn Rovers. They're making a notable impact. And then you've got some permanent signs as well. And what people really enjoyed about this window was that there was the sense that they're starting to build something quite good here. They were bringing in young players such as Johnny Smith, um, Terry Taylor and Tom Hamer on long-term deals. So these were players who were going to be good regardless of what division Burton were going to play in next season, whether it was League One or League Two. And these are people who are really going to help grow with the club in the future. So people were really encouraged by the business anyway. It was clear that they were going to have a go at trying to stay up, but also planning for the future. And 
everything's just gone wonderfully so far. So with that being the case, uh, I'm going to ask you, Ed, put you on the spot. Are you now confident that Burton will be playing League One football next season? Yes. Yes. I felt, I felt this confidence, to be honest, after the business was done. Just seeing the business that was bringing in, the notable improvements in all the areas that looked weak in the season previously up to that point. Um, yeah, I was very confident at the time. I think it raised quite a few eyebrows when I said I felt they could stay up, but there was a bit of doubt. I don't think anyone has that doubt anymore about them, really. If they keep the form up they are now, they're going to end up in the top half, which would be unreal to say about a team that was rock bottom at the start of the year. Okay, confident stuff. So how's Ben Garrett doing? Because he, he was in and out of the team at the start of the season, wasn't he? But he seems to be first choice now. Yeah, he was brought in, um, i trying to remember, I think it was last season. I remember at the time seeing him get released from crew he was the keeper I wanted I rated him really highly at crew because we know what crew products are like they always end up being very good players and I was very happy when he came in but at the start of the season I felt our other number one Kieran O'Hara was actually level ahead of him he struck me as someone who looked a bit more confident when he was one-on-one I always thought Ben Garrett looked quite afraid when he was one-on-one I think he seemed quite I don't describe the word he looked quite um frail at times when faced at 1v1 he didn't feel like someone you could have confidence to really get his body in the way of the ball I'm completely wrong about that. He is easily the number one at the moment. He is so reliable, such a reliable presence in goal. Pulls off some fantastic saves, some really good close range saves as well. Really good at closing down the space really quickly if someone does get in behind. He was very unfortunate not to get a clean sheet yesterday, actually, from um, quite a powerful shot they just can keep out, just can give a firm hand to. But he is easily the number one at the moment and we're incredibly happy to have him. I think that's good to hear because I think I'm not alone for a few crew fans who thought he kind of stagnated at crew. Like he came mm. through, he was a, a, an international at youth level. Uh, he was really good. And then he just didn't get any better. Uh, so I think it was probably the time for him to move on from crew. So it's good to hear he is doing well again. Um, so Ed, if I can uh, ask you from, not from a Burton perspective now, but from your uh, D3, D4 perspective, what have you made from crew's season back in League One this year? It's been a bit tricky, hasn't it? Um, naturally, when he came up, they, they were for me, they were the most exciting team in League Two last season. The potential that squad would have. I was drawing comparisons to that team from 2012. I actually prefer this one. I think overall, the quality, you could argue maybe the total ceiling of them was a bit higher because they had Nick Powell in it. But I generally preferred this squad a lot more and felt there was a lot more potential. I think the fact that we have had this COVID season meant that they were able to get away with a summer window where they weren't picked off as much. It kind of feels like if we had had a normal season, you probably wouldn't have seen Kirk, Pickering, and G stay as long as they did. Perry's obviously now gone to Cardiff, which is a loss, and Pickering's going to go to Blackburn. We know they're going to be sensational for them. I'm really hoping that they can keep hold of Wintle and Kirk for as long as they can as well. Tom Lowry in there as well. Fantastic players. I'm a little bit worried about the future. I think you have to be with crew because you know that these players are got such huge potential. You'd probably say above crew's level really at the moment. And there will be interest from clubs in League One and the Championship and maybe potentially maybe higher than that. So I'm worried about what they can keep in the summer. But I have every faith in David Artel to replace them. This is what crew do under him. They always find people to take the spot off them. I'm already liking Travis Johnson as a right back. So I'm not particularly worried about losing Perry and G anyway. I feel like there's players coming through. 
Yeah, um, well, we're not sure how long, well, we, I think we are sure how much longer we've got Ryan Wintle, but um, I mm. do feel like this is the, the end of this team that got promoted um, last yeah. season. I think this summer will be the end of it. It already looks like a very different team when you see the players lining up on a Saturday now from the squad that we had last year. Just to sort of add to that, really, it feels a bit um, like a bit of a replay of the last time we were in League One, where we have sort of a a season to consolidate and then we sort of lose a few players and then we tend to struggle the season after and get ourselves in a bit of a relegation scrap. Um, and it's just thinking about whether, you know, we've got that that talent coming through again to replace what we're probably going to lose in the summer um, or whether we're going to have a season next year where we're having a lot of low knees coming in and, and we're in a relegation scrap. So, yeah, it's just sort of reminded me a bit of last time. It's a sad cycle of professional football, isn't it? Especially down the lower leagues. If you're yeah. a club that's known to producing a lot of talents, you don't get them for a few years. You get to enjoy them for a couple of years and then that's it. It's the sad reality of it. Yeah. So seems like we've uh, really put a down on James's day, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Ed, I'm going to let you go in a second. Um, I've got one last thing for you to do. Last time you were on, you correctly predicted the 1-1 draw, although that looked like that wasn't going to happen until Owen Dale's mm-hmm. overhead kick in the last few minutes. Yeah, and that um, hurt, by the way. That was a painful goal to see go in. Uh, I won't lie. That was painful. It hurt me when I landed <laughs> after jumping in the air celebrating. So maybe it's different, but uh, yeah. Can I uh, get a prediction for the game at Gresty Road? I'm tempted with the 1-1 again, but I think that's a bit cheating. Um, I mean, at the moment, Burton's away record has been thoughtless. Four wins out of four. They got an away trip to Wimbledon this Tuesday. Then they go to Crewe. I'd love it to make it six out of six. I'm going to go with a 1-0 Burton win. I just think this is the kind of performance they've got. Crewe are perhaps a little bit weaker than they were at the start of the season. I think they're on a run that can currently make them a bit catchable. They look like a team that's probably going to finish around the middle of the table, which for me, I don't think is a bad thing at all. You can say the crew were in League Two last season. If you guys can finish above Argyle, Northampton, Swindon and be the highest of the four sides that went up last season, I think that's a quality return. I fancy Burton to go and get something from this game, at least a point, ideally three, which could really help them further get clear of the bottom four. And I reckon they've got enough about them to get it. So okay. I'm going to go with a 1-0 Burton win. All right. Thanks a lot. Um, thank you for coming back on. Pleasure. Uh, yeah. And keep up the, the good work with the D3D4 podcast. So predictions then. There's some big changes from last week. Tim, you were on the podcast and you didn't manage to score a point, I'm afraid. You went with a loss at Blackpool and a win at Lincoln. So you have gone down to 0.78. Uh, and you've actually jumped down to third, and Alex is overtaking you without having any guesses into second. Russ, he predicted a uh, 1-1 draw and the loss at Lincoln. So he got himself four points this week, which pushed him to 0.78, tied third with Tim. And Aaron, he also went 1-1 at Blackpool, uh, but he did predict a draw at Lincoln. So he is now on 0.72. Again, big wins for him, or big uh, push for him high up the league. Alex, you are now our leading person out of the three here. So I'm going to start with you. What's your score prediction for Doncaster on Tuesday? I think we will get turned over, unfortunately. Our home form has been very good, but I just got a feeling that we're, we're, we're due to lose one at home and Doncaster is going to be that side. That will be a 2-1, home de- uh, 2-1 defeat, unfortunately. 2-1 defeat. Tim, desperate to make... I hate predicting 
losses. I hate doing it. And it, you know, it's like, it goes against my moral fibre to do it. I hate it when you ask me to predict stuff because you never want to see the loss. But because I'm so competitive, I want to get things right. You're killing me here, Stu. You, 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 there's a, my moral compass is gone. Well, just predict wins. There is that, but I want to win the actual prediction league. Okay. Well, you're in second at the minute. Tim, I'm guessing you are not happy with being in joint third. Absolutely got it, mate. Um, I was going to go for a 2-1 defeat, but I'm going to have to go for something different to Alex. Otherwise, I'm, I'm not going to get my coveted second spot in this league table back. Um, 2-1 crew. 2-1 crew. And then, James, would you like to know how you're doing at the moment or should we just get predictions? Let's just move on, shall we, Sue? Let's crack on. Um, I think I'm going to go 1-1. Okay, 1-1. James, we'll stick with you then. We'll go reverse order. Burton at home on Saturday. I think we're going to have Burton and it's all going to click into place. We're going to bring them back down to earth. 3-1 crew. 3-1, wow. Okay, Tim? 2-1 crew. So two two ones for you, Tim. Alex? I'm going to copy James. 3-1 home win. I've got a feeling that Saturday is the day where it all clicks into place. Burton, the juggernaut is halted. Okay, confident for Saturday then. We haven't won a Saturday game since before Christmas, I don't think. Is that, Thanks, is that mate. Right? Yeah, just so, <laughs> just so you guys know. Yeah, brilliant. What was it? Wimbledon. Yeah. Anyway, we'll move on. Now you've predicted those. There's only one last thing that I'd like to talk about today before we wrap things up. Um, and that is just a little bit about the feedback to the Matt Tootle episode. Obviously, we released that on Thursday and we always get a bit more feedback from the Thursday pods than the Monday ones. And I think, you know, that's understandable. But it's fair to say the response this time has just been through the roof. Tim, you were on it. What do you think is it about that podcast that's resonated with people listening to that one? Well, I think he spoke very honestly about a lot of things. I think it will resonate with a lot of people. You know, he talks about uh, mental health issues. He talks about gambling. And I think, you know, at a time when we've all been sat in our own rooms staring at four walls for... Um, the last year it's something that we can all probably um, appreciate and understand so it, it's no surprise to me that um, the, the feedback was so good because I think a lot of people would have recognised where some of those words were coming from. James you had a chance to listen to that one yet? I have indeed um, just to sort of echo what Tim said and a lot of people have said really it just goes beyond football and although Toots just really talking about his football career in depth which is really really interesting you don't even have to like football to to listen and be interested in some of the stuff he's got to say. Um, and like Tim said, and I think it'll touch a lot of people and, uh, you know, just make them think about things a bit more. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting listen. OK, that will do us for today. Tim, Alex and James, thank you. Thank you very much. You. Pleasure's all mine, Stuart. As ever, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back on Monday looking back at the Doncaster and Burton games. Until then... Goodbye. Blue